And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Stolzer. Alongside with me, as always, is my good buddy, John Paulson, the senior editor of 444.com. And John, it's been a while. I know you had to do a podcast uh, without me recently. I had some some issues going on with my son, who's, who's doing great right now. But um, it's good to talk with you again. Yeah, it's good to uh, have you back on the podcast. Uh, we TJ and I tried to, TJ Hernandez and I tried to hold down the fort with a free agency pod. Um, but we're, we're happy that your son's home and doing well now. Um, I just, I do have to point out though that I got us, I got a new name, a new title change at four for four. You must have missed it. No, what'd you get? Did you get upgraded? I'm upgraded now. I'm the director of forecasting. Wow. So, wow. I know. Well, con- well, congratulations. I don't even know if I have a title. If I don't, I want to get like the upgraded version of whatever that title was. How about director of podcasts? Okay, deal. Director like of that? hosting podcast. Yeah, it's fine. It's perfect. Yeah, but no, ser- in all seriousness, congratulations. Josh Josh Moore, Josh Moore is fantastic, and uh, he, he knows how to keep good people around. Yeah, I, I figures you know five six years in, it's time for a time for a title change. So definitely, there, yeah. There go. Anyway, so so it's great to have you back, and I'm I'm happy to be here to talk about uh, talk about the draft. I'm looking forward to it. It's always my favorite time of year. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, absolutely love the draft. I'm I'm a fanatic when it comes to college football. I'm one of those guys that spends a lot of time just you know watching the the MAC games during the week and things like that. I'm always I always got kind of my notebook out. I uh, love it. And this is this was really a wild draft. And I, there's a lot of questionable moves I thought on day one, but certainly a lot to, that we can get into. Tell us about the music that brought us in first. Oh yeah, that's a 1979 uh, track that I heard recently on a TV show. Love it. It's called uh, "Why Can't I Touch It" by the Buzzcocks. Uh, so I added it to the <laughs> most accurate ac- uh, podcast playlist. Uh, it's got a great little groove intro, um, and uh, it's just a really good track. So it's on the uh, podcast playlist on Spotify. Uh, you can find that playlist if you go to the website 444.com. Look for any of the uh, podcast posts. There's a link to the uh, to playlist in that post. So uh, check it out. Love the name and love the band. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about the early round rookies and see which players we like to kind of have them to, to make an impact in their first season. Now, I always feel like we have to couch things a little bit, John. I know and we'll get to the tight ends. You're, you're not always hot, hot on the tight ends because they don't make a big impact right away. We'll try to do our best to kind of parcel through some of these guys and figure out which ones you need to have on your radar heading into your drafts. But why do we focus on the first three rounds, John? Well, as I go back and I, I look at what you know what rookies finished where uh, in the previous seasons, I have this art, uh, this paragraph that I update for my rookie article. And <clears throat> we're looking at nine, nine seasons now of, of data of, of, you know, of rookies coming in and seeing how they, how they do. And 32, uh, of the 40 players, there's 40 rookies that uh, finished with starter numbers. So top 12 uh, at quarterback, top 24 at running back or uh, wide receiver, top 12 at tight end. So there's 40 rookies over nine years uh, to, to finish uh, with that at that level. And, you know, that's not very many, right? So looking at those 40 guys, um, 32 of them have fin- have been drafted in the top three rounds. Uh, so that that's, you know, 80% of these players are going in the first three rounds. There's the occasional player from the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, or undrafted uh, that, that ends up uh, with starter numbers. But for the vast majority of them uh, are going in the first three rounds. And it makes sense. These are the best players. These are the players that uh, teams have the most dra- uh, draft equity 
in with a stake, you know, as far as a stake in, in their success. And they're the probably going to teams with a big need because they're drafting them early and they end up getting the most opportunities, uh, more opportunities than some of their counterparts that are going later in the draft. So that's why we focus on the first three rounds. Well, let's, let's jump into it. We'll start off with the running backs first. And we start off with the most dynamic running back that we have seen come out of the draft in quite a while. And he goes number two overall to the Giants. And that is Saquon Barkley of the Penn State Nittany Lions. And John, this was somebody that drew some comparisons to Barry Sanders, the way that he runs his smoothness as a smoothlessness as an athlete. Uh, he's got unbelievable speed. I would have taken the quarterback number two overall. I wouldn't have invested in the running back. But if you're going to do so, you might as well take somebody like Saquon Barkley, who's going to likely be a three down back for the Giants. Yeah, I, I was hearing the word generational thrown around a lot with a reference to Barkley and uh, the quality of player that he is. So I'm expecting big things from him. I uh, pulled some numbers last year for Leonard Fournette, and uh, I just added his stats, rookie stats, to, to this to this uh, stat right here. I'm going to give you the last nine rookie running backs who were drafted in the top 10 and saw at least 200 carries as rookies. So they stayed healthy, and they had a big role, which is what we'd expect from Barkley. Uh, they averaged 307 touches for 1,469 total yards and 9.8 touchdowns. Uh, from a PPR standpoint, uh, that would have made them fantasy RB8s uh, as of last year's uh, 2017's uh, fantasy points uh, at the running back position. Uh, so we're expecting big things. Uh, teams that draft a, a running back this early tend to have a big need, and they're, they're going to use them. So uh, I'm expecting 300 touches for Barkley. And, you know, I heard some people uh, on Twitter saying that the, the Giants uh, offensive line's a mess and uh, they were actually pretty good in terms of the running game. They were decent. They were 15th in adjusted line yards over at football outsiders. So they didn't do a bad job uh, blocking and, um, you know, some of the running backs there had some success. Orleans Darkwa, uh, so Wayne Gallman had some success. So I think Barkley will, will have some success there and um, they'll, they'll know how to use them. Let's move on to Rashad Penny. He surprised a lot of people, including myself. I didn't see the Seahawks taking him 27th off the board, but he, he they, they obviously loved him, and they loved him more than Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb and Ronald Jones, some of the other running backs that went behind him. So so he goes to the Seattle Seahawks, who are try, trying to completely revamp the running game. We've seen that in the offseason moves with the offensive line. The one thing that I'll say about Penny, John, he, to me, looks like a, a three-down back. However, he only had 19 passes in, and he never he never caught more than 19 passes in a season while at San Diego State. He doesn't look like he's got much PPR value. What are you seeing? Well, uh, I like the I like the the usage here in terms of what what they're giving up to get him. I mean, they they've been looking for um, a running back for a few seasons now, ever since uh, Marshawn Lynch retired, and they brought in a bunch of guys and. Uh, nobody is really stuck. I think Chris Carson, you know, maybe shows the most promise. Uh, he's he's returning, um, but if they're if you're going to use a first round draft pick on a, on a running back, uh, you're pretty much handing them the the job. So I would expect Penny to see a big workload um, in this offense, and 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 basically have them hand the keys to him. I think he'd really have to fall on his face in this in the summer for for him not to be the, the starting running back in week one. Kind of interesting that the Patriots take Sony Michelle at the 31st pick in the first round. They love to rotate their backs, but to me, Sony Michelle, despite splitting carries with Nick Chubb while at Georgia, 
he's a he's a lead back to me. I think they they finally found their their one lead horse, and maybe now John fantasy owners can stop beating their heads against the the wall when it comes to choosing which Patriots running back to use. He ran a four five four at the combine. I love him. He, he wasn't necessarily a great pass catcher at Georgia, but I think that is a that is something that he can do. Some people feel as though that he was he was even maybe not as explosive or had the upside as Saquon Barkley, but a lot of people liked him as the the number one back in the in the uh, in the draft this year. So I think he winds up in a perfect spot in New England. This was a surprising pick because the Patriots for the last few years have been devaluing the, the running back position. They're, I think they were probably the the point of the spear in the devaluation of the of the running back, showing that you can continue to win year after year. Uh, without spending much money on the position, and then they turn around and use a, a first round draft pick on, on uh, on this guy, and I, I don't know that he's going to necessarily take over the starting job right away. Uh, Rex Burkhead, I was pretty excited about him uh, in the fifth, sixth round of, of fantasy drafts, given the way he played during a stretch last year. So I'm interested to see if he's if if if, if uh, Michael is going to immediately uh, usurp him. I don't know if, if uh, Bill Belichick's going to trust a, a rookie uh, immediately uh, or if they're, if he's going to continue to rotate uh, the, their backs and uh, use Burkhead and use James White uh, at, at what they're good at while also uh, working Michael in there as well. So this is a, I think this creates more of a headache in New England than really clearing things up. But uh, I like that you're speaking so highly of him. And, and maybe if we get into uh, July and August and he's running, uh, with the first team and, and is ahead of Burkhead on the depth chart, uh, then we can you know draft him with some confidence. Nick Chubb. So this, I want to. I'm interested to know what you think about Nick Chubb. He line he winds up in Cleveland's third overall pick in the second round. They signed Carlos Hyde. They also had uh, Duke Johnson already there. Chubb tore his left PCL, MCL, and LCL six games into his 25, 25 uh, 15 Heisman candidacy, but this is somebody that's a big back. Um, there are some comparisons to even Jamal Lewis. This is somebody that I thought was going to be going to have a better college career than Sonia Michelle. I actually kind of like Michelle toward the end of it, but really interesting situation with Chubb land, landing in Cleveland. And I said Michael earlier, didn't I? I said Sony Michael, didn't I? I did it. Dang it. Oh, you might have. It's Sony Michelle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was, I was, you know, trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out these names. This is the first time I'm saying them out loud. Nick Chubb. Uh, that one's not too hard. Uh, it's a. Uh, this is an interesting situation. This is not one that I was looking at. Like, okay, he's going to immediately make a fancy impact, but because he's joining a, a pretty crowded backfield, Carlos Hyde. Uh, is a decent running back. So Chubb's going to beat him out for, for second down duties. Chubb doesn't uh, catch a lot of passes from what I've seen. Um, he's a powerful runner. So I think Duke Johnson's role is pretty safe. I mean, 70 catches uh, or whatever that you could pencil him in for. So uh, I think Chubb's going to have to beat out Hyde and, and end up being the starter there uh, for him to be a fantasy starter uh, for the Browns. But I think this Browns offense is, is pointing up with with all the additions they've made. Ronald Jones winds up in Tampa Bay. You know, Jones was uh, dynamic at USC. He's a home run hitter. He's got bursts. He's got acceleration. I don't know if he's he's a, is going to be a lead back or somebody that you can trust on a three down, um, you know, three three down basis. But there's no question that Jones has a lot of a lot of talent, and again, he's got a lot of acceleration and uh, burst to his game. Yeah, they let. 
uh, Doug Martin walk. Uh, Peyton Barber was probably the top back remaining. Uh, they re-signed Charles Sims recently. I think Jaquiz Rogers is still there. Uh, but I, I think this is a good landing spot for Jones. And, uh, you know, again, uh, the Buccaneers used a second round pick uh, on a running back. They're, they're probably going to use him. They probably like him. Uh, so I would uh, expect him to have the most touches this year in Tampa Bay. There's, there was no secret that the Detroit Lions wanted to come out of this year's draft with a running back. I think a lot of their fans wanted them to take Sony Michelle or uh, Nick Chubb, one of the running backs, toward the middle of the first round, and they wound up with Kirion Johnson, who he's got some durability issues. He, he was at Auburn for a while, very unique system under Gus Malzahn. But uh, given the backfield situation, John, I mean, who knows? Maybe Kirion Johnson carve, carve himself out a role. Yeah, the Lions are last, or were last, their offensive line was last in the league in um, adjusted line yards uh, as far as run blocking. So they were they're one of the worst. And then Seattle, I meant to mention this earlier with the uh, uh, the, the talk about uh, Rashad Penny. Uh, they were thirty first uh, in that metric, so not great running uh, offensive line situations for either of those players. However. Uh, they, they should see some work, uh, Penny especially. Um, as for Johnson, you know, they added LeGarrette Blount. Uh, Amir Abdullah is still on his rookie contract. Uh, Theo Riddick is the pass catching back, so it's not really dissimilar to what's going on with Cleveland. Uh, he's going to have to come in and beat out LeGarrette Blount, uh, which, you know, he may be able to do immediately. It might take him a little time. Uh, it seems like with this pick that they're kind of giving up on Abdullah. I mean, that's my feeling on it, and they would like Riddick as the passing uh, specialists. So uh, the, the problem here, I think, is that the Lions running game is so bad that uh, if you're getting a part-time player in it, other than uh, maybe Riddick and PPR formats, it's not going to have a lot of, uh, it's not going to bear a lot of fantasy fruit. I can hear some of the groans coming out of Detroit that, you know, the Lions took carry on Johnson over Darius Geis, who winds up going to the Washington Redskins. The only reason why Geis wound up in the second round is because he's got a lot of off-field concerns. Ian Rappaport was reporting that he showed immaturity during a lot of the interviews with NFL coaches, but this is a first-round talent. Now, I don't I don't know if his off-field issues, I don't know if they're, they're, they're going to carry over to the NFL, John, but this is somebody uh, in Darius Geis that, that that could be a starter very soon. Yeah, it was he was one of the group of five players that I tweeted out about uh, running backs that are going – that are landing in good spots and seem destined for 250 uh, touches as rookies. And I think he's, he's definitely one of them. Uh, you have Chris Thompson there uh, as the third down back. He was the best running back last year for the, for the Redskins. And um, you know, I, I don't think P Ryan is going to, is going to beat or hold off uh, guys this year. Uh, so I think immediately you can, you can move guys up into the fourth, probably the fourth round, maybe the end of the third round. And uh, the, the issue I think is, is mainly that he's not going to be on the field probably on third down with, with Thompson there. I think Thompson's good enough to demand that role. And so, and so you're looking at guys as a kind of a two down back. Rice Freeman winds up with the Broncos out, uh, in the third round. He's six foot two twenty nine, and that's not somebody that uh, Oregon usually likes to have in their backfield. They like smaller backs, but he's somebody that's almost like a bowling ball type. Uh, John and and John Elway already says that yeah, he expects Freeman to be an early down starter, somebody that can be in on first and second downs. Yeah, he's another one that I thought. Is, seems destined for 250 touches this year. Uh, they have Devontae Booker there uh, who may be able to hold off Freeman. Um, but again, the third round 
early third round pick here on a running back when, you know, they had CJ Anderson on the roster and cut him. It, it just is opening up a, a lot of touches for, for Freeman. I think he's, you can pencil him into that role. Anybody else fourth round or later that looks appealing to you from a fantasy standpoint? Yeah, I was, I was interested to see what the Colts were going to do. Uh, you know, they, they let, uh, Frank Gore walk. Uh, they're right now they're looking at Marlon Mack as their starter. He's a former fourth rounder, I think. Uh, they drafted, um, Naheem Hines. Uh, he's kind of a home run threat in the fourth round. So they, those two might, uh, you know, offer a one, two punch, but that's a, that's a running game to sort of keep your eye on this summer. If one of them is really, uh, generating a lot of buzz and the other one isn't, then, uh, he should be a sleeper heading into to fantasy drafts. And I'll throw one out there just because I'm a Falcon fan. I think Ido Smith, who was a fourth-round pick for the Falcons, he's going to be their replacement long-term for Tevin Coleman, who's only got a year left on his deal. They signed T- Devontae Freeman to a long-term contract, so it's it's highly unlikely that they invest more money at the running back position. So Ido Smith's going to be a name that you want to keep in mind, not not necessarily this year because he won't carve out himself a role, uh, but you know, next year. Uh, let's talk about the wide receiver position. John, DJ Moore winds up with the Carolina Panthers at pick number 24 in the first round. They had to come away with the wide receiver and they had to come away with somebody that can run, uh, you know, <laughs> better routes than or, or faster routes than some of the wide receivers that they currently have on the roster. So DJ Moore, explosive talent that winds up in Carolina. I imagine he starts right away. Yeah, I think he might even be the the number one option right away. Uh, yeah, when I look doing my draft research, it just seemed like um, all the draft picks seemed either like Ridley number one or DJ Moore number one. And, and as the as the draft got closer and closer, it seemed like Moore was getting the the tip of the the hat there and getting an edge on Ridley, and he ended up going ahead of him. And I think this is a a good landing spot because you, you have uh, Devin Funchess there and you know Christian McCaffrey. Greg Olson. So those are some high targeted players, but you know, more could uh, quickly get to a point where he's getting a hundred, 120 targets in this offense from a pretty good quarterback in in Cam Newton. So uh, I think his, his stock's going to jump into the the middle rounds, probably the sixth or seventh round. If he's the, if he's the wide receiver one there, if he's not, uh, if he's, if he's struggling in preseason or uh, struggling in camp or struggling in training camp, um, and is still behind Funchess, then you're looking at maybe an eighth to tenth round player. You mentioned Calvin Ridley. He winds up with my Falcons at pick number 26. I was very surprised by it. I didn't like it. Not that I don't like Calvin Ridley. I think he's the most pro pro ready wide receiver in this entire draft from a route running standpoint, but they've got so much invested at the wide receiver position from Julio Jones to a bunch of free agent money to Mohamed Sanu. I get drafting a wide receiver to replace Calvin Ridley. I did not expect it to be Cal, or I'm sorry, uh, Taylor Gabriel. I did not expect it to be Calvin Ridley, but he winds up in a good situation in Atlanta with all those other weapons taking it, taking advantage of uh, some single coverage on the outside. Because I think Sanu's going to move into the inside, John. Yeah, he plays. He's played some slot, uh, and he, that's the. I think Sanu is the guy that Ridley really needs to uh, worry about or beat out to to get those bonafide wide receiver two targets because last year it was Sanu getting those and then Gabriel just mixing in with a few targets uh, per game in his big play, uh, you know, with his big playability. And, and the nice thing about Atlanta is you have a pretty good quarterback there with Matt Ryan. Uh, the tight end situation is, isn't great. I think Austin Hooper's okay. He doesn't demand seven to 10 targets per game though. So uh, there's, you know, there is a, there is a chance for Ridley to be the number two option in this offense 
And with Julio's uh, tendency to get nicked up, maybe he ends up for a few games being the wide receiver one. So this is not a bad landing spot for him fantasy-wise. Yeah, um, and I don't want to go on a, a rant here, but you know, <laughs> with Steve Sarkeesian as the OC, I just I I question how they're going to work everything because he he just constantly got targets in Austin Hooper, who constantly showed that he didn't deserve them. But moving on, uh, Cortland Sutton winds up with the Denver Broncos. He was a second round pick out of SMU, really big target, six four, two sixteen. He drew some comparisons to Alshon Jeffrey. Big guy, four four five speed, kind of a position possession receiver. But what do you what do you think about him landing in Denver? Yeah, Denver is not a great landing spot for a rookie as far as redraft goes, but I think it's a good landing spot for uh, for dynasty leagues because you have two receivers and Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders who are thirty uh, or older. Uh, they're over thirty, so. Uh, you know, in a couple of years, they'll be winding down their careers and it'll be time for Sutton uh, to, to make his mark. I don't know that there's going to be a, I mean, there, as the third receiver uh, in this offense, you, I doubt you're going to be much of a fantasy, uh, have much of a fantasy impact, but they may make a point to get him involved. I think the other thing to, to consider is that Carlos Henderson is coming back. Uh, he was a, a really productive receiver, uh, Heading in, you know, as into his rookie season, uh, he was drafted by the Broncos uh, as you know maybe a replacement for one of these guys uh, down the line, and he ended up getting hurt. But he's coming back from injury, so he's, uh, Sutton's going to have to deal with Henderson uh, if he wants to get uh, those wide receiver three type targets. I was really surprised that Dante Pettis wound up going in the second round. I I, I thought he was going to fall to the, maybe the third. He's more of a possession receiver. He doesn't have a necessarily a high upside. But John, we we know NFL teams. They tell you the truth during free agency with their money, and they tell you the truth during the draft. The Forty ers traded up and gave up multiple picks in order to land Dante Pettis. So clearly they, they, they think well of him and he's probably going to be a number three receiver for them. Yeah. He's a good punt returner as well. And this is the interesting thing about this pick is that Trent Taylor actually had a pretty good season for them last year, manning the slot uh, and returning punts. He caught 43 passes and did pretty well. So uh, they, but they identified a need and, you know, Pettis is going to have to deal with Taylor and beat him out in order to get that, to get that role. Because I think you're looking at Pierre Garcon and Marquise Goodwin on the outside, and um, there's only so many targets to go around there in this 49er offense. I really love love uh, Christian Kirk winding with, with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. He goes to them to pick 47. He's a smaller guy, but he's got a lot of explosion. He's probably going to be a kickoff returner for them. Uh, you know, they they measure prospects by that spark results in in Indy, and he was 27th percentile. Uh, straight line speed, all that. I th- not that he's going to be this dynamic overall receiver, but I think he's got a lot of home run ability and he winds up with the Arizona Cardinals. They needed him. Yeah, they like the deep threats there. Sounds like a replacement for uh, John Brown, who ended up with the Ravens. So uh, Kirk is uh, dealing with uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who's going to you know soak up 130 targets probably if he stays healthy. J.J. Nelson, <laughs> uh, Bryce Butler, uh, Chad Williams is the other young uh, uh, receiver there. So Kirk's got his work to cut out for him, but there's definitely a need there uh, for, for receivers with Jaron Brown and John Brown, both, uh, both leaving the team. 
So the Bears wound up with uh, Anthony Miller. They traded up for him. He was the Memphis wide receiver, and they gave they gave up a lot for him. Now, the thing that I would be nervous about is the fact that he suffered a Liz Franck injury, and a lot of a lot of players, especially in baseball, you see it more in baseball, but you see it a little bit in football. It's tough to bounce back from that injury. It's a foot injury, but they clearly think highly of him. And boy, Chicago needed wide receivers. Yeah, they let uh, Cameron Meredith walk. Uh, he ended up with the Saints. Uh, they did sign uh, Allen Robinson uh, to help out Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Taylor Gabriel also landed there. So they're, they're trying to shore up the position, um, and this is another way to do that. Uh, the Bears' second-round pick on a, on a receiver, I think that we have to pay attention to that. He might end up uh, in that uh, second receiver role if uh, uh, was it Kevin Smith can't uh, – um, can't get it done and he can't stay healthy. So um, not, not Kevin Smith. Who am I thinking of? Who's that rookie for the, um, um, Oh, Kevin White, Kevin White. All right. So he's had such a bad career that I can't remember his name. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll leave this. In, huh? uh, Kevin White, of course, is what I'm talking about. Kevin Smith was a running back. Uh, okay. Anyway. Um, right. This is uh you know this is the time is now for Kevin uh, Kevin White if he wants to uh, make a career out of this. Uh, so Anthony Miller is is kind of a wake up call for him. You know, second round pick. Uh, you know, maybe he's playing opposite uh, Allen Robinson. This is definitely a, a camp battle to monitor. You also have Trey Burton there at tight end, uh, soaking up quite a few move targets. I think at the move tight end. So um, you know, Miller is somebody to, to somebody to watch this offseason. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers taking James Washington. Now he was the uh, college, he was college football, college football's top wideout. He won the Blinklikoff award. Um, he led the nation in receiving yards and all that. He put up a lot of numbers because of the Oklahoma state offense. However, I think he slides right in with Martavis Bryant being traded on Thursday night. I think he mans that position and I can see him being productive right away. Yeah. You've got Antonio Brown and Juju Smith Schuster so you're looking at Washington as probably the third receiver because uh, Smith-Schuster really de- demanded uh, a, b- a big role in his sophomore season, given what he did as a rookie. So I'm looking at Washington as a wide receiver three there, and you know you're, you're going to watch the offseason and see uh, what sort of news comes out of camp in terms of Washington versus Smith-Schuster, and you know you know because you know Antonio Brown's going to get his 140 to 50 targets or whatever. So. Uh, it's a little bit of a limited role, maybe the third option in that in that offense. You also have Le'Veon Bell as a big time pass catching back. Uh, they have Vance McDonald coming back, I think, at tight end, and uh, Jesse James is you know a giant uh, seven foot man who runs down the middle of the field and posts up uh, and hopefully catches the occasional pass. Uh, but yeah, I think Washington will be the third option there, and uh, that's definitely somebody to monitor as well this offseason. Jaguars took a flyer on LSU's DJ Chark. Now, he was a late bloomer at LSU. He's 6'4". He's only 198 pounds. He's one of those guys that's kind of boom or bust. He drops a lot of passes. But if you can figure it, if he can figure it all out, he could have a nice career. I'm a little skeptical of it. But you know, with the Jaguars overhauling their wide receiver position, maybe, maybe uh, DJ Chark winds up in a, in a good spot in Jacksonville. Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him, given the the players that they have on that team. I mean, they're, they're pretty stacked at, at, as for young receivers are concerned. You have Marquise Lee, who I think is the de facto wide receiver one, probably leads the team in targets. Didi Westbrook uh, had some uh, good moments last year, uh, was very good in the preseason last year, and got injured and came back and then had some really good moments. 
Uh, Keelan Cole had, like, had three 100-yard games in a row late in the year. So uh, they felt good enough about this group that they would let uh, Alan Hearns walk. But they did sign Dante Moncrief for some reason, even though he had a very disappointing uh, career, early career with, uh, with the Colts. Maybe a change of uh, scenery does him some good, but I don't think this leaves a lot for, for DJ Chark right now, uh, in terms of targets in this offense. This is a really good landing spot for Michael Gallup, the Colorado State wide receiver. He goes to Dallas and we all know that the Cowboys needed wide receivers after, uh, letting go Des Bryant and, and they traded, uh, Cole Beasley. Was it Cole Beasley over the weekend? No, who am I thinking? Uh, I don't mind. Was it Bryce Butler? Because Colby is a Bryce Butler. Chart. Okay. Yes, Bryce Butler. Excuse me. Went to the uh, so Gallup, yeah, G- Gallup winds up in a good spot here. He's he's not somebody that that's a burner, John, but uh, very productive at Colorado State. I th- I could see him making an impact day one. Yeah, Terrence Williams has never really panned out. They love his blocking though, so he might still start. Uh, they, they brought in Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns can also play the slot, but they, they have Cole Beasley still for that. So I don't know how this is going to shake out in terms of, uh, you know, how many snaps scalps going to play. You really need to play 70% of the snaps to have a big fancy impact. I mean, unless you're like, you know, like somebody like uh, Taylor Gabriel last year where he was playing 50% of snaps or, or less and every once in a while scoring a 70 yard touchdown. Uh, but there's definitely a need with Des Bryant out of the picture. You also have Jason Witten out of the picture as of right now, uh, retiring. So those two soaked up a ton of targets last year and you're asking for some of these guys to, to pick up the slack. Um, you know, if, if it's, if it's Hearns, uh, Williams and Gallup out there on 70% of the downs, then Gallup could definitely, uh, make a fantasy impact this year. I nothing against a player. I, I question the the decision. The Saints selected Central Florida wide receiver Traquan Smith. I, I feel as though out of anything, uh, the Saints didn't need a wide receiver, but they they had uh, another burner to potentially either replace Ted Ginn down the road or to to factor in as well. Yeah, it might be the the Ginn uh, replacement in a year or two uh, because they got Cameron Meredith uh, and the restricted. Uh, free agent deal, which was a nice little steal, I think, from the, from the Bears. Um, and then they let uh, Willie Sneed walk. Uh, they still have Brandon Coleman as like the post up receiver in the in the red zone as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know how much Smith's going to play as a rookie. Uh, you know, you're looking at Michael Thomas, uh, Cameron Meredith, and Ted Ginn in there. I think probably 80 percent of the snaps. I don't know how many. Uh, you also have Tommy Lee Lewis, who they, who they work in, rotate in as well. So I don't right. know how much Smith Smith's going to play as a as a rookie. Before we move on to the quarterbacks, any fourth round uh, wide receivers that jump out to you? Well, there's a couple of teams that were that were. I was looking for maybe some movement at the receiver position, and we got some um, from the Packers. They drafted three receivers: uh, Jamon Moore, Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling, which is going to be a, the bane of my existence as I talk about him. <laughs> and Equinemius St. Brown, uh, that guy's name, holy smokes! But they. Uh, Valdez Scantling and, and St. Brown uh, are big size speed guys. I think Scantling is a, a sub 4 4 40. Uh, I think Brown, St. Brown ran in the you know, mid 4.4s. So they were looking um, to replace Jordy Nelson. They're trying to find speed. Uh, they know they've got Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb who can get open uh, over the middle and in short yardage, but they want uh, somebody to threaten. 
uh, deep, take the top off the defense, of course. And they just drafted double up, triple up at the position of need. And they're going to throw these three guys out there in camp and see if uh, anybody, any of them can beat Geronimo Allison, who is the likely starter right now. And, and Allison, I think, is a pretty good sleeper. Uh, but this, these three picks aren't uh, great endorsements of, of him, although they didn't use a much draft uh, equity on them. The other team that I was expecting more, more activity from was the Colts. Uh, they left Dante Montgrief walk. Right now they're slated to start Chester Rogers or Ryan Grant uh, opposite T.Y. Hilton, uh, which, you know, wow. Uh, but if you, <laughs> if you, like, if you, whoever the wide receiver two is for the, uh, you know, for the, for the Colts, uh, could have, could make some noise. I mean, Dar- Darius Fountain and Deion Kane were drafted in the fifth, sixth round. It's one of these guys blows up and has a great camp. You never know. Uh, it might also be a good sign for Eric Ebron. Uh, they might run a lot of two tight end sets with him and, uh, Jack Doyle. And then, uh, those two guys are actually the, the wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and then whoever, emerges from this group, whether it be Rogers, Grant, Fountain, or Kane, or whoever, uh, ends up getting the fourth most targets there in Indianapolis. Uh, I, and I got a chance to walk, watch Jamon Moore at Missouri. He wound up with the Packers, as you mentioned, John. And and he was he really struggled with drops, but more so two years ago. This past year, he kind of showed his skill set. So that's somebody you might want to keep an eye on. Could be a deep sleeper. And the other guy, the other guy I want to mention in the fourth round it's a bad fit because they 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 have Josh Gordon and they they traded for uh, Jarvis Landry and he, he might not get it. This guy is a total knucklehead, but an absolute talent. It's Antonio Callaway out of Florida, and he wound up with the Cleveland Browns. So, just a name you want to kind of uh, keep an eye on too. If he if he didn't have all the off field issues, I mean, he was suspended all last year. He might have been a first round talent. So, Antonio Callaway is another guy you want to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, let's talk about this rookie cor- crop of quarterbacks over the past nine seasons. Five rookie quarterbacks finished with top twelve numbers. Is there anyone that fits the bill this year in your eyes? Well, not out of the gate. I think you're looking at these these quarterbacks where they landed. Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, and you know, maybe give you your thoughts after I'm done talking about these players and who you, who you think is going to uh, sure. have the best career, maybe. But uh, Baker Mayfield to Cleveland. You have Tyrod Taylor there. He's a established veteran. Uh, so if Mayfield kind of shows any sort of struggles in the in the in the preseason and training camp, uh, you know, Taylor, I think is is slated to start there start the season there. And if the, if the Browns uh, stay above 500 or around 500, they might stick with them. Uh, Sam Darnold to the jets. Uh, they've got Josh McCown there. Josh McCown played pretty well last year for the jets. So there's no shoe in that Darnold is going to start immediately. Josh Rosen, Arizona. Uh, they have Sam Bradford there. Uh, Bradford, I assume will start until he gets injured and then Rosen <laughs> will get his opportunity. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson to Baltimore. Uh, Joe Flacco, obviously entrenched there. He's hashtag elite. Uh, President Trump once said that he was elite in a video as well. So that <laughs> must make it true. Uh, so I don't see Flacco going anywhere anytime soon. I think Jackson's a little bit more of a project and they're going to have to completely change. I mean, can you think of two quarterbacks that are more different? No. Than, than Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. <laughs> no. I mean, they're going to be completely different offenses. Yeah. Uh, players. Um, so I don't, I'm not expecting Jackson to start this year unless unless Flacco gets injured or really sticks stinks it up. So um, of these guys, I am probably most excited about Mayfield with that Cleveland receiving core, uh, Josh Gordon, uh, Jarvis Landry, uh, Corey Coleman, if he can stay healthy, David Njoku, 
Uh, you got Duke Johnson catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, you got a pretty strong running game with uh, Chubb and, and Hyde there. So this is suddenly a pretty interesting um, offense. And I think if Mayfield ends up starting, uh, he's going to produce. But I also think that Tyrod Taylor is going to produce if he's if he's starting. So um, that's where we're at, sort of where we're at the quarterback position. But then you have in Buffalo, this is the one kind of spot where you look at the rookie and you're like, oh, he probably is going to start. It's Josh Allen. Uh, they traded for A.J. McCarron, so this is going to be a, a quarterback battle. But then you're like, okay, the, the winner gets to throw to Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones hmm. and, and you know, these other receivers that they have there. They had Jordan Matthews, but they let him uh, walk. And uh, it's just a – it's not a great group. Uh, Zay Jones had a, a bad rookie season. Uh, and, then, and then there's questions about Josh Allen, uh, his his accuracy – and you, so you got like a 50%, 57% accurate quarterback throwing to a 53% catch rate. Kelvin Benjamin as his top, uh, top target. And it's just, you just wonder if maybe Benjamin's going to, his catch rate's going to sink below 50%. So, uh, I'm not super excited about this Bills offense and, and Josh Allen in terms of a fantasy quarterback. So, you know, these, there was a lot of hype about these quarterbacks. You know, you thought, you know, if maybe one of them landed in Denver, uh, you know, before, uh, before they signed the, uh, case Keenum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they would have, uh, Demarius Thomas and Manuel Sanders to throw to, and that's kind of an exciting uh, place to land. Uh, you know, maybe Cleveland's an exciting place to land before they traded for Tyrod Taylor, but these teams, and then, and then the jets resigned McCown. So these teams shored up their quarterback position before they, uh, you know, drafted these guys. So it's going to take a little time for them to sort out, uh, no one's going to be thrust into the starting role, I don't think, with given the, the backup quarterbacks that are on these rosters or the, the veteran quarterbacks on these rosters. What do you think? You know, I'll couch it this way, John, and and don't tweet at me. Don't say, who are you? You're not a scout, this, that, and other thing. I'm just going to totally give you my opinion from what I've seen and what I've gathered watching college football over the years, okay? There's my there's my. Okay. You know, my qualifier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the the one guy I think is going to be a total bust and probably out of the out of the league. If I was going to, you know, group the five and say, all right, who's the one guy that's going to be out of the league quicker than anyone is Josh Allen. I I, I don't understand outside of the the big arm and the, the you know the the prototypical size. I don't understand what any any NFL team saw Josh Allen do at Wyoming to say, all right, yeah, that's our guy. So I'm not thrilled with Josh Allen. The second guy that I I don't I didn't see anything in college to say that he could play well at the NFL level is Baker Mayfield. He played in an offense that allowed him to make one read, get the ball out quickly, played in the Big 12. These type of quarterbacks simply don't make it. I understand the grit. I understand him walking on at Texas Tech and then going over to Oklahoma and walking on there. I think people are in love with the story. I think John Dorsey fell in love with like this little edgy player. I, there was nothing there that says, yeah, he's qualified to be an NFL starter. So I, Baker Mayfield, I'm out on as well. The guy that I, I, I wouldn't take first overall, but I could, I could see him having success because the skill set is there and the intangibles are off the chart is Sam Darnold at uh, USC and he he winds up with the Jets. I think the the Giants were dumb for passing on a quarterback and I think the, the Browns made a mistake not uh, not taking the quarterback I, I'm eventually going to mention. Um, so I think Darnold could have some success. I just worry about the long release. I mean, he like takes the ball way down. Turnovers could be an issue with Sam Darnold before it's all said and done. 
I would not be surprised if he had success. The two quarterbacks I'm most interested in, one is is Josh Rosen. I thought he was a number one overall pick the moment I saw him play at UCLA as a freshman. He played in both pro and spread systems. He's highly accurate. He's a little thin. I mean, if he... He could wind up having some injury problems, and he already had concussion problems at UCLA, and I believe a shoulder issue. So if he winds up getting hurt, that's the thing I think would take away. Otherwise, that is the most complete quarterback in this year's draft class. The fact that he fell to 10 I think is stupid. I don't care about the Trump stuff. I don't care that he had a hot tub in his you know, his, his dorm room and all that stuff. He's a very intelligent kid. He probably wrong, rubs people the wrong way, but otherwise I think he's the most pro pro-ready quarterback in this year's draft. Arizona got an absolute steal when they traded up for him. The other guy's Lamar Jackson. They talked about his, you know, oh, his little wonderlick score and his, the intelligent factor, blah, 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 blah. He played at, he played at Louisville under Bobby Petrino in a, in a system that had pro-style concepts, and that's the, the most dynamic quarterback from an, uh, the most dynamic athlete that you're going to see play the quarterback position coming out of this year's draft. So I really like Lamar Jackson. I really like Josh Allen. That's kind of my my two cents on that, John. That's my breakdown. This is this is one of those uh, quarterback classes that's going to be fascinating. No question. To watch. No question. Because no. you have you have so much so many going in the first round. There's probably even going to be a guy that, a sleeper. Uh, that was drafted later. That was kind of overlooked because so many, so much focus was on was on these five. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> honestly, so uh, yep. we'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll, yeah. be, it'll be fascinating. But I'll, I will say that the, the the guys at Pro Football Focus and all the analytics guys think that Mayfield is the real deal. So uh, this might be the uh, your comeback uh, for the uh, the Packer uh, Ted Thompson, where you were criticizing. <laughs> the, him for trading up, yeah, trading Clay up Matthews. for Clay Matthews. Yeah, yes, you thought Clay Matthews is a meathead, or I don't remember what you said. Workout warrior about workout warrior Clay Matthews, and then uh, he turned around and I don't know if he was a rookie of the year, but oh, he he wasn't. He's, of the year. He was unbelievable. He, he immediately made an impact, and, yeah. and I immediately I I am the most look. I, I, some people feel as though that I'm I'm arrogant, and I I think that I know it all. I just have strong opinions, but I'm also one of the most self deprecating people you'll meet. John knows I I tore myself apart for for thinking that 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 night, um, and and I didn't think Derek Carr was going to amount to anything, and he wound up you know cashing in big with the Raiders. I will say this: I was on I was high on Carson Wentz from the get go. I loved Carson Wentz. I didn't understand why Cleveland decided to stick with him or, or bypass a chance to draft him. So, you know, hits and misses, John. We all we all have them. Let's yeah, and I don't. I, I would never use the word arrogant to describe you. Maybe that's your persona at uh, St. Louis Radio. I don't know. I've heard, I wouldn't call you arrogant at all. I appreciate. It. I've heard. I've heard it from time to time. But I think you know when people don't like your opinions, they they automatically think that yeah. you're know it all. Let's move on. We'll we'll get on to some rookie tight ends here. Now this is the position I I never draft rookie tight ends, and it's because of your philosophy and and the the research that you have done. Uh, but let's talk about these tight ends. So rookie tight ends really make an impact in fantasy football. But Evan Ingram completely bucked the trend last year. He joined Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez as the third rookie tight end to post top 12 numbers in the last nine seasons. Anyone have a chance to duplicate that this year? You know, and, and Ingram should have an asterisk next to it. I, I just want to put an asterisk next to this because, you know, he wasn't going to he wasn't going to post these numbers if Odell Beckham was healthy or Brandon Marshall had stayed healthy. And, uh, you know, Sterling, uh, Sterling Shepard was also 
uh, in and out of the lineup there with the Giants. I mean, he just benefited from a huge, huge workload. I guess maybe he finishes in the top, you know, in the 10 to 12 range or something if, if he stays completely healthy, but, uh, and, every, and everybody else stayed healthy. But I, I just, heading into the season, you just couldn't have expected that sort of season from him given the, the other options available on the, uh, on the Giants. But, uh, looking at the tight end ranks, I mean, I think maybe there's, a couple of guys that could finish with starter numbers or at least be in the streaming conversation that fantasy owners need to be aware of. Uh, the Ravens like to use their tight ends. Uh, they've been looking uh, around for uh, tight ends for the last several years. They've been Watson for a little while. Uh, they got Max Williams and he just couldn't stay healthy. So they drafted two. They doubled up in the position, uh, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. Hurst uh, went uh, first or second round. Um so I think he's the priority for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, if he, if he comes out of uh, training camp and or I'm sorry, coming out of uh, OTAs and has a great OTAs and there's a lot of buzz about him and he's making plays and uh, things are looking good and he's actually starting, then you could start to consider him as maybe a sleeper uh, tight end, because I think Joe Flacco would like to use his tight end uh, quite a bit. And if he's picks it up quickly, maybe he can fill that role. Uh, the other guy uh, that is, uh, kind of intriguing is the Adam Gase has been looking for a tight end for so for several years as well. They tried Julius Thomas there last year. Uh, he, Julius Thomas saw 62 targets in 14 games. Uh, Mike uh, Gusecki, uh, huge target, great athlete. I think he ran a sub four, six 40 yard dash, which is very fast for uh, a tight end. He's not a big blocker. So, you know, Gase knows this and probably is not going to try to use him as such. Uh, and again, if he's the one starting, um, you know, come August, uh, he, he's, a, he's, you know, maybe somebody you draft in the 10th to 12th to 13th round or something like that. The, the thing about the Dolphins is that Jarvis Landry's gone and he vacated 161 targets. So somebody is going to have to pick up uh, the slack and uh, the tight end should uh, be a big part of that. And I think he can catch some touchdowns. Uh, there's, you know, Dallas Goddard and Ian Thomas uh, both show some promise, but I, you look at where they landed with Zach Ertz and Greg Olson still on the roster uh, for each of their teams. So I think they're more dynasty picks. Uh, and I think uh, Thomas you know, probably will be playing uh, heavy snaps earlier rather than later. Although uh, the thing about Goddard is that he's going to be replacing Trey Burton and Brent Selleck probably in the, in that offense. And if, if he's out there 50, 60% of the snaps, he's going to probably have some good games. I really like Gusecki, by the way, I won't spend a lot of time talking about the tight ends, but out, out of all of them, they know, like you said, Adam Gase knows exactly what he is and what he isn't. He's not a blocker whatsoever. I think Adam Gase is one of the most talented uh, play callers in the National Football League. I know that some people are like, ah, oh, well, you know, he mishandled the situation down in Miami. He's he's a very good offensive mind. I think he'll get the most out of uh, Gasecki. Let's wrap it all up. Which Which veteran player was helped the most by the draft? I was asked this uh, for a piece I did for Fantasy Pros uh, today. So there's a few players that I kind of want to talk about. One was Alex Collins. I think uh, the Ravens stayed away from the running back position completely in the draft. Uh, they didn't really add anyone in free agency either this summer. So I think, or this uh, spring. So uh, Collins, that's a vote of confidence for him. Uh, they also added, uh, revamped their receiving core. They drafted the two tight ends as well. Uh, so th- that should open up some running lanes for Collins. So, uh, you know, he was sort of ranked, I think, in uh, this low-end RB2. I think he's going to move up a few spots because, uh, you know, a couple of guys ahead of him had bad drafts. Uh, Rex, Rex Burkhead, um, 
is on the outs now. Not really on the outs, but uh, the, the the Patriots used a first round pick on a running back, so uh, Burkhead doesn't look like a low end uh, running back two anymore. Uh, and uh, Chris Thompson, uh, I had him ranked as low end RB two in PPR, but uh, with the Darius guys headed to Washington, uh, he's not looking as uh, as appealing either. Uh, speaking of Gase, uh, you know the, the Dolphins, Kenyon Drake. Uh, they didn't use a, a pick on a running back until later, uh, later on in the draft. So uh, I think, uh, I think uh, you know, he's safe as the, as the RB1 there. He was very good down the stretch, which is great for my fantasy team in our keeper league. Anthony, I get to use Drake as my prospect pick. <laughs> so he's only going to cost me an eighth, an eighth rounder instead of the, uh, you know, a f- top, top four pick or whatever. So I'm excited about that. And then I think Cam Newton with DJ Moore coming in, a bona fide big target for him. Uh, Devin Funches wasn't cutting it as number one target. So I think he's, you know, with, with Olsen coming back, uh, flirting with retirement, but coming back and, and, and more in there, I think uh, Newton should have a good year throwing the ball. That is the director of forecasting for four for four.com. That is John Paulson. <laughs> I got the, I had to pull up your Twitter just to make sure I nailed that, that title, right? Uh, you can follow John on Twitter at four for four underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. John, any idea when we're going to do our next podcast? What, what, what makes sense? The, ne- the next one I think will come after I release our projections. So what I'll do today or Monday is I'll, um, finish up my rookie article and then I'll start in on the projections that usually takes a couple of weeks. And once we release, then we'll probably do a few podcasts to talk about each position or, or whatever. And then that makes uh they'll kind of carry us into uh, carries into the summer. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's John Paulson. I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on the most accurate podcast.